Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. course was the sound of Nessun Dorma, the BBC's theme tune to Italia 90, which we're here to talk about today on Top Flight Time Machine, which has morphed into World Cup Time Machine. Is that right, Sam? Yeah, it's World Cup Time Machine. And what a theme tune that is. Best television theme tune for a World Cup or any sporting any, show ever. Any TV show ever, probably apart from Sorry, yeah. starring Ronnie Corbett. You know in Sorry, the, mm. it, it, it always sounded like there was a cat in the background. Yeah. Didn't there? Have you noticed there, there that? Was, there was. Is um, that a cat or is that a sound it, that synth- it, it, synthesizer? It's a sound effect. I don't know what it represents. Does it represent that the, the Timothy Lumsden is some kind of meek sort of... Um, but did, they say, have meek, a, did they have a cat? I can't remember. No. I do, what I do know is that someone has compiled a 24-hour long uh, YouTube compilation of that theme tune over and it over again. It just goes on. It goes on and on. I That's think it's lovely. 24 hours. But, um, what would you use that for? It, what what kind of day would you be having if you wanted twenty four hours? I think worth it would probably the be theme tune. The only the only scenario I could think of would be to try and rouse someone from a coma. Or if they were what, a massive. What if you'd sorry done fan. something awful, like you cheated on your wife, right? Yeah. And you were so sorry, and you wanted ah. to win her back, that you it would be a nice touch. You'd like send her a twenty four hour loop of the theme tune to Sorry. Or, it would be a cryptic kind of an apology, but I think you know, as long as your wife was up up to speed on her eighty sitcoms, she'd understand and probably maybe, take you back. Because uh, ultimately, everyone makes mistakes, Andy. Maybe do a Facebook live video of you sat in your bedsit where you've had to move into, yeah. with that playing in the background, so she can see that for twenty four hours you are sorry, and that you you're manifesting that with the with the theme tune as well. Yeah, like penance. Yeah, sat in my sleeping bag with my pot noodle. Eating a dry pot noodle because I've yet to buy a kettle. Doesn't sound that bad, does it? Sounds absolutely beautiful. <laughs> no, you know, only for one day. Yeah, Jesus. Like Bowie said, we could all be heroes just for one day. We could. Mm. We could all be sorry just for one day. Yeah. So um, moving back to the reason why we're here today, uh, World Cup 1990. 
Well, people, I, when I say people, I mean me, Sam Delaney. Yes. I regard this as peak World Cup. Ooh, interesting. I have extremely fond memories of this World Cup um, and all of the stuff surrounding it, whether that be Nessam Dorma, New Order, Gazza's Tears, mm-hmm. Platt's Goal, mm-hmm. um, and all the other things like Roger Miller's Wiggle and Toto Scalacci and Rijkaard's Gob and all the things, you know, spoiler alert, that we're going to get on to talking about. There's, there's so many, it's so eventful, so many iconic moments. Uh, also, in you know, wrapped in what was going on in my own life, because I think that we all associate each World Cup, we, we cast our mind back to where yeah. we were and what we were doing. Yeah. And I was 15. Right. There was a lot of um, fingering going on. <laughs> um, there was, you know, there was, there was really fantastic kind of park-based alcohol and drug abuse. It was just a, a wonderful time. Mm. And um, so for me, it's Pete World Cup. But that's an emotional and irrational assessment because if you look at the facts, it was a boring World Cup. It was Cup. awful. It was dog shit. It was a dog shit <laughs> World Cup. So if a man is defined by his favourite World Cup, then I am defined... By a do- then I am dog shit myself. You are you are a flighty man who is attracted mm. to shiny things with no consequence or importance. Because if you were to put together those things you mentioned earlier on, you'd probably get a compilation video of about eight minutes. Mm. The You're rest right. of Italia ninety was minging. The football was poor. There was not many goals. And and I was reading the other day that the, 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 it was so tedious this tournament that it was what directly <clears> led <throat> to the abolition of the back pass. Yeah. It did, and they also introduced three points for a win in '94, the one after this. That's that's its legacy. Yeah, isn't it killed. It? it killed the World Cup mm. version one. Talking of goals, I'm going to throw some stats at you. Oh, uh, there was 52 matches in Italia '90 and just 115 goals, whereas in '86, four years before, there'd been 132 goals, and in the glorious Spain '1982 World Cup, there'd been 146 goals. 31 more in Spain than there was in Italy eight years later, which just, again, stands up to the to the argument that it was dog shit. Well, I've already accepted your argument, so, you know, but... I've just got to keep reiterating. It's like, uh, it's like you've knocked me down and now you're kicking me again and again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brand this World Cup as the reason why millennials are so miserable. But the thing is, it was so magical. It was so magical. The the magical moments were yeah. There was some, there were some jewels there in the among the swine. In, Italy. in a way, it's like Italy, perhaps rivaled only <clears> by Brazil. In my mind, it's the ultimate place to have a world. It Cup. is, it, which makes it's it so more frustrating. They, they should do it every time in Italy. Yeah, I totally because agree. It was, I was there. You know, I've got Italian family. I was there just before it started, and I remember as a gift when I was leaving from my visit, they got me an Italia ninety official football, and. It was really exciting, and they, they had a picture of, and it had, you know, it was it was a colour. It was the one they actually used. So the what you call it, the hexagons, yeah, were um, green and red. Mm-hmm. So it was a lovely, kind of. Anyway, it had a picture of the mascot, the worst mascot, oh. and yet in a sense the most memorable because it was so bad. And what was his name? Do you remember? Yeah, his name was Chow. Chow, and he was so, just made up. It was a stick figure made up of. of cubes wasn't it 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 was the laziest idea for uh, i mean it was so lazy we've talked about the previous one so the pre in 1986 they had this um mexican fellow with a sombrero is that right uh yeah i want to say he was a chili pepper but that might just be my racism he he was called jalapeno yeah jalapeno 
And then there was the orange. I know in 82, you were a big fan of the orange fella, weren't you? I was, yeah. Uh, Naranjito and his, his, his gang of pals. It's imaginative stuff. I don't know who they commissioned. I, I want to imagine it was an overpriced marketing company. Definitely. Um, who sat there and they literally came up with a stick man. But the twist is, is that the sticks are made of red, green and white blocks. And for a head, he has a football. And then... As if that wasn't lazy. Well, you know, how should we tie this stick man back into Italy? Or just make him the colour of the Italian flag. All right. <laughs> but also the brief says it's got to be something to do with football as well. Well, why don't you just give him a football for a head? All right. That sounds good. <laughs> Lastly, we need an imaginative name. Oh, fuck me. What, what's, what's Italian for hello? Ciao. Ciao. All right. Call it that. Come on. Let's go down the pub. <laughs> or if they're in Italy, come on. Let's go and have an ice cream. Before we go any further, can I just reconfirm that I've actually pronounced jalapeno correctly there just earlier on? I thought you were joking. He really was called jalapeno. Hang on. Jalapeno. Oh, beautiful. There it is. Jalapeno. So they have an orange in Spain. They've got a jalapeno in Mexico. The next time England get it, we should have a gherkin or a sausage. (laughs) And he should just be called Mr. Sausage. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, Mr. Sausage. Sausage. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, oh. I'm just going to reiterate. I'm going to hang on. I'm going to check what that mascot was called. I don't think he was called Jalapeno. He wasn't. He was called. Um, oh. He was called Pique. He, oh, yeah, was so Pique, Jalapeno, he was a Jalapeno, but that wasn't his name. Jalapeno. All right. Well, I think we should have a sausage and call him Mr. Sausage. Mr. Sausage. In the unlikely event of them ever giving us a World Cup again. Well, it's something to start with, isn't it? And, yeah, um, maybe we should. That's that's the way you get these conversations started. <laughs> maybe we need to just send an email to what's his name Infantino, yeah, the boss. At Are FIFA. we going to bypass the FA and just run this ourselves? Yeah, just go. Listen, mate. Um, don't know if you've got any plans for the next World Cup, or in case Qatar falls through because of corruption, etc. Yeah. Um, so if I, we we attach. Please find attached a <laughs> word document with an illustration of a uh, World Cup mascot, which we have ready to go at a moment's notice. We can send this off to Pronto Print and get a shit ton of mouse pads, <laughs> key rings, the lot done. I mean, no problem at all. Um, and he's we called, call him. He's called Mister Sausage. Mister Sausage. And we think this has got a lot of potential for commo- for you know monetization. <sighs> So consider us there, ready, willing and able, should the Qatari thing go a bit awry. I think we need to get him to sign some kind of NDE as well, because if oh, this yeah. doesn't come we off... We've done nicking it. We, it. Well, if it doesn't come off, we're going to approach other sporting events as well. It doesn't need to be exclusive to football. Commonwealth Mr. Games. Sausage. Commonwealth Games, Olympics, you know, whatever, Eurovision. Yeah, um, the, what's the, the America's Cup? <laughs> That yacht in one. We've got the tall ships happening in Sunderland soon. The tall ships races. Yeah, we could do the America's Cup round Sunderland or the Isle of Wight. Imagine a massive sausage sailing a a big yacht. Imagine a massive sausage man, yeah, sailing off from the the port of Sunderland in the tall (laughs) ships race, standing on the is it the bow or the stern, like on like on Titanic. You could have him on either. I've worn it each end. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the way you balance the boat out. (laughs) So um, getting back to Italian nightly. Because we've filled enough time in... Mr. Sausage. Mr. Sausage. Um, we've done the mascot. The first match was very promising. Argentina oh, yeah. versus Cameroon, which, of course, um, Cameroon spectacularly won 1-0 and um, 
also had two players sent off into the into the process. It was amazing. Cameroon were in in a sense they were the team of the tournament, weren't they? Yeah. And the they true announced themselves on the on the world stage in that game. I don't know if they'd even competed in a World Cup before. The, yeah, I mean, they, I'd they certainly were, never it, heard it, of it them. Too, I think. Well, they, right. Well, I'd never heard of the bastards until, like, literally, I hadn't heard of the country or anything. And then suddenly I'm sort of laughing to myself. I remember watching it around my brother's flat and laughing to myself just at the existence of them. Not in a racist way, just in a sort of ignorant way, although, of course, yeah. there's a fine line between those two things. And um, I thought, ah, who are this lot? Argentina no, I'm not are racist, gonna... I'm just ignorant. Yeah, <laughs> don't blame me. I just haven't, I you know nothing of geography. Um so, but seriously, I did do geography GCSE, but they taught you fuck all about countries. I mean, I don't know if it's still the same now, but it was all about either the environment or Oxbow Lakes. But had I heard of fucking Cameroon or any other country in Africa? No, I hadn't. I've already got one memory of learning geography at school. That was the very, very first lesson I went into when I was 11. And I opened the desk and someone had put in the desk um, a detached mouse's tail. <laughs> it might have been a rat's tail actually because it was probably a bit longer than a mouse's tail was that part I was of, horrified was that part of the lesson plan or was I, that no. just no I mean this was me fr- fresh faced 11 year old going into comprehensive school for the first time you know some of the lads in sixth form had moustaches for god's sake I go into geography lift up the desk and there's a fucking rat's tail in the desk I've got to be honest threw me off I've got to be honest with you growing up in London that you're painting a picture of life in a Sunderland comprehensive that I would that is not surprising to me that's precisely how I imagine it <laughs> if someone asked me what must it have been like for your equivalent in Sunderland I'd go probably a load of rodents tails being rat's lobbed tails. all over the place and, mo- mo- and most of the students have moustaches <laughs> most of them look like fucking professional darts players they were that was it I went, I went into the walked at the playground for the first time we aged 11 and there's all these geezers walking around <laughs> Smoking tabs. Yeah, and the fucking world. I'm reading, reading the sun. Yes, it's fucking <laughs> I mean, just a few months beforehand, I'd been making a, a, a display of the 1982 World Cup with Naranjito yeah. all along the corridors of my primary school, and then I'm in this geezer kingdom. Yeah, fucking it's fucking hell. terrifying. It's just like basically taking young, innocent children and sending them into a jail, really, isn't it? Exactly like that. I've never recovered properly. Good idea for a reality show, that. We should pitch that. We should. We should call it Kids in Jail. <laughs> <laughs> Have we got anything else to add to Argentina, Neil Cameron, one? There was well, this... very memorable. And there was a sense... One of those sendings off was one of the most sensationally audacious fouls of all time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was the first or the second. It was the second one, but I forgot who it was that did it. It was just a mad, it was a mad tackle where he just charged in on the Argentinian winger who was having a was little bit Benjamin of a Was it Benjamin Massing? Yeah, that maybe. Rings a bell. Sounds right. Or Oman Beek, I think, possibly did the Old other one. Old Man Beek, yeah. Old Man Beek. Old Man Beek. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, Roger Miller, I'm sure we're going to talk a bit more about him. Did he score the goal in that? in that game no he didn't he didn't actually uh, I don't think he appeared until the second match because he came on as a sub now he was one of these players who people say and again is this racist well let the listeners decide people say I might decide people say that he didn't know no one knew what his real age was and the the same was said of George Weah and other African players because they grew they they were born in very impoverished um, villages where there were no clocks and there were no yeah there were no there was no record keeping. Time could not be so measured. He, he had no birth certificate. So they, yeah, well, I mean, I suppose they can me- measure it by the sun. Count the nights. But who's, if you're busy doing things, you haven't got time to constantly keep track of I don't know how busy they get in Cameroon, to be honest. I've never mm. been. Well, anyway, 
they didn't know how old he was, so the theories varied. Veering I mean, into racism, this, do you think? No, I'm just saying he didn't know. He didn't know how old he was. That's not racist. Just checking. I'm just checking. Uh, yeah, well, check, let's check throughout the show. And he didn't know how old he was. But nevertheless, he is still on record, according to FIFA, as being the oldest player ever to score mm-hmm. at a World Cup finals. And that wasn't this one. This was 94 when he broke that record. Oh, okay. And he was 53 years of age. <laughs> good lad. So that was, um, yeah, Argentina Cameron. And the wiggle, that was a good start. the wiggle was a good thing. Is that on your list? Am I jumping ahead here? It, it might be. But I haven't you know, really he, got that far he, down he, yet. doing the wiggle. We can carry on talking about Roger Miller. He, he was the most iconic player, really, him or Scalacci, wasn't it? Because he was... Pretty much. He, he, he did that wiggle, and then we all started doing that at school as well when the, we scored. Yeah, I mean, the, I scored very rarely, but when I did, I would be attempting the Roger Miller wiggle. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Did you have a, a corner flag you did it around? Yeah, like I'd run to the, the corner. But you put one hand on your tummy, mm-hmm. one hand up, by your side, yep. like you're sort of saying how, like a Native American, right? right? And then, and that, and then you just have a little, you wiggle the just hips, just a wiggle. Mm. And you were 15, 15. Yeah, we were all at it. Well, but you Imagine were. if we'd done that in the Giza Kingdom of Sunderland. Oh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have lasted. You wouldn't have lasted two minutes, Sam. So Miller was 38 years old, allegedly, right? Or no, you know, it might be true. I don't know. Uh, he he was actually semi-retired before Italia '90, and he was living on an island in the Indian Ocean when he got the call some kind of bat signal went up from the Cameroon FA he was playing sort of part time football wouldn't it you'd have Tom Tom Hanks playing him yeah I mean Hanks or maybe Jack Whitehall blackout yeah Jack Whitehall would be good and he'd be on an island just living a life of fishing yeah. Um, I don't know if we had a Mrs. out He'd be living there. like Huckleberry Finn, really, wouldn't he? He'd be fishing. He'd be, a, having, a, sex. A he'd, he'd be having sex with a, tr- a hole that he'd drilled in a tree. Yeah. Uh, that's what you do when you're living alone on an island. <laughs> and um, things would be good. And yeah. then suddenly... Could they get any better? Yes, they out. could. Yeah. Here comes the World Cup. Someone, the head of the Cameroonian FA, appears on the horizon in a little rowing boat. He's wearing a suit, but he is sweating buckets because <laughs> he's rowed all the way from the mainland. And Roger goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> Have you <laughs> come for my tree? Do not take away my tree. <laughs> no, Roger. We will not take away. Maybe they did make a threat, though. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's if the jeopardy in the movie. Yeah, if you they go, you will play for us or we will destroy your love tree. Yeah. <laughs> And it's that's like what made him. Rogers are like, no, I am done. I'm I finished vowed the never to game. play football again because maybe the last game he ever played in, and we'll see it in a flashback sequence, he belted a ball so hard <laughs> that it smacked a kid in the face in the crowd and, and killed come him. Off. Yeah, not <laughs> his head clean off. And then that was the, that's the backstory. And yeah. he vowed never to ever kick a ball again. But now they he's need him. retired to the island with the love tree. Yeah, just a tree and his fishing rod. And now he's like, no, I don't want to see anyone again. Like Jeremy Irons at the end of the film Damage, right? Just living at like a monk-like There's lifestyle. There's too many mentions of Jeremy Irons in this series <laughs> of podcasts am I liking. And he's like, no, I don't. And that's it. I'm done. And they go, you're not. You're coming back. And he's going, I'm done. And they go, right, we're going we're gonna to chop, chop, destroy your love tree. And he goes, fuck. <laughs> All right, I'll play. And that, that's fast where the adventure forward, begins. Fast forward to Italy, comes on as a sub versus Romania in a group <laughs> match, scores twice, does the dance. And then uh, if that wasn't good good enough against Colombia in the second round, he um, he robbed René Higuita of the ball 40 yards out, you know, the sweeper-keeper that Colombia oh, had. Yeah. Robbed him that of the idiot. ball and scored and did the little dance again. 
Well, Higita, I kind of feel sorry for Higita because he, he was branded as a sweeper-keeper, but he clearly wasn't up to the job. You know, he'd come out and dribble around and, and create, was, create moments of panic for the Colombian f- fans. I mean, really, he was a fool. He was. He was a fool. And he later went to jail as well. Did, did he? You know what did that? he go to jail for? He went to for jail doing for... doing a scorpion kick in... <laughs> <laughs> it was in a I think bank it was, might have been before that um he went to jail for his his role in um a kidnapping no way. he was he was really? in, i think he was involved in um the handover of the the ransom money and he he went to jail for that but then it turned out that he hadn't done it or he'd been coerced into doing it they threatened to chop down his love tree if he hadn't done it <laughs> He so, performed uh, uh he performed a scorpion kick during the exchange of the ransom yeah he did. That's how he, that's how he lobbed the hostage back to his family. He did. This is it! Shall we look at England in the World yeah. Cup 1990? Because um, it didn't start well because Brian Robson was injured again, oh, which was a kind of his default position. Um, and England started off with a 1-1 draw with Ireland, which was one of the worst matches I've it ever was. seen. Dire that game wasn't it? Really dire. Not to be confused with the one they had against Ireland. I think the European Championships of '88, which was where they also, beat us. Yeah, was, they beat us one nil. Ray which Houghton. was also dire. That was dire, but this was so poor, and it got really like so badly criticised in the pre- in it by a foreign journalist with their fancy ways. By English journalists, foreign journalists, yeah, journalists they just from it was dis- lands it was unknown. Di- it was a disgusting game. It was. So uh, Bobby Robson kind of um, adjusted his tactics a bit for the second one and eked out a nil-nil draw with the Netherlands, which well, everyone was, regarded as a victory. Yeah, because the Netherlands, that was the big game that everyone was, uh, the whole nation was nervous about because, of course, if they'd, lost a- that. they'd absolutely turned us over in in 88 when we had them in the Euros. Yeah. And then they'd won the Euros and they were still regarded, I mean, they probably went into it as one of the hot favourites. And we thought, oh God, they're going to absolutely like demolish us. So, yeah. having only drawn with Ireland, we sort of thought, right, we're in big trouble here. And I remember it was nil-nil, and we played well. We made a good account of ourselves, and there were signs that we could be all right. Well, the, the, he switched from a flat back four to a sweeper, hadn't he? And Mark Wright was playing as the sweeper, mm. and, and everyone kind of said, oh, that makes all the difference. But there was there was talk that the actual team had sort of coerced Robson into doing that. Yeah. Lineker, a, 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 a cabal of like yeah. Lineker, Des Walker, and someone else had said, "Look, <laughs> <laughs> you can't say no to a cabal consisting of Gary Lineker and Des Walker, can you?" No, Des Walker's now a delivery driver or something. Is he? Me. Yeah, or maybe he he was, and then he set, and then he's like progressed from there, and he set up his own haulage company. Oh well, that's good. But he was the best defender of his generation. And Neil Webb used to be a postman as well. That's an ex Nottingham Forest player. It's absolutely crazy. I wonder if something in the water in Nottingham. Hmm. Yeah. So then, after the uh, the goalless draw with the Netherlands, England, I think they needed to win to get out of the group, but they they did the job with a one nil win against Egypt. Woo! Whoop de doo. And that was Mark Wright who scored the goal. Yes, it was. Quickly becoming England's hero of this tournament. Would you like to know where I was when that game happened? Yes, you would. Uh, it's. I was performing, Andy, Ooh. in a school production. Okay. Because I was a keen amateur dramatist. Dr- uh, dramatist? Dramatist. A young thespian. Oh, I was a young thespian. And um, the play we had written ourselves, <laughs> because it was the fourth year GCSE <laughs> group who'd put it on, and all, and it was gutting because all the parents were there, right? Yeah. 
and the dads were sitting fuming because of the because in those days only men watched football, so the mums didn't care at all. They didn't even know there was a World Cup on. It was a different time, and we in in the uh, changing room. Um, backstage, which incidentally... That's, that's, that's the thespian term, isn't it? Yes. A changing but, room. But incidentally, it was unisex. Right. Where's but, this going? Well, I'm just saying that was one of the bonuses of being in the play. But the, the girls and the, so and the you, boys got changed you, backstage you, you, and you'd, you'd be having a little glimpse over. You'd specifically written a play with female rules in it yeah. and put it on somewhere where you knew there was a unisex changing room. Well, it was Very a play, clever, it, Sam It Delaney. was a classroom that we were using, Very but we were clever. all in the same room. And yeah, I got, Some would I, say predatory. Yeah, it was. A, well, I, I had no say over that. It, had, it wasn't my decision. You said I was now. just one of the players. But anyway... <laughs> That's what actors call themselves, players, right? Play player. And so we we were backstage and it was like the interval or something like that or in between scenes. Stop and bombarding we, me with these theatrical terms. We had a little TV and we saw Mark Wright school and we all went crazy. And then me and my mate who were in the next scene, we ad-libbed. We ad-libbed a bit where we, because no mobile phones, which this is 1990. Yeah. There was no way, unless like a, one of the dads had bought a little transistor radio and had an earpiece in. Sounds likely. Right. But there was no way of them knowing. And they're sitting there, everyone's gutted that they're having to miss it to see their kid in this stupid play. So me and my mate, William Gallagher, the one who once called himself Yosimar, who I've mentioned on previous <laughs> yeah. things, we walked on. And as we walked on, there was a scene where we had to walk into a bar talking to each other. Oh, right. And I went, uh, the score... And he goes, in the England game, yeah, it's 1-0. Mark Wright just scored. Ooh, and did it, what, a, a few of the dads the went, like that. And it <laughs> sort of hijacked the play. And some of the other people, some of the other players on stage, yeah. um, it made them sort of forget where they were and what part of the play it was. And so things stumbled for, on for a couple of minutes. Anyway, Miss Landreth, the drama teacher, was fucking livid with us. I'm not and surprised. I was like, look, it was only a little bit of fun and it, you know, it... it made people happy I'm not surprised because because at the end of the day your job is to be a servant to the player to the yeah. piece yes and you didn't do that you no. went off-piste off totally and, and um, I did it without it. Uh, I did it without permission we just fucking did it we were taken over by it do you think what do you think it was like whose line is it anyway or something that's what we were thinking fucking it was hell. yeah I'd have demanded a I was, I was, I was drunk on drama and, and taboo I just sort of thought yeah <laughs> Actually, funny enough, Taboo and Mirage were two of the favoured drinks <laughs> were. of that yeah. era, weren't they? This is it! Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualise your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is it! So England managed to haul their way out of the group and then in the second round was the um, the match against Belgium, which of course is famous for that last minute of extra time goal from David Platt, which was a fucking gorgeous goal. What a fucking goal. The, the, the free kick lofted in by Gaza, and then Platt sort of on the turn, on the volley, over his shoulder, put it past it the Belgian keeper. It was keeper. also a great free kick, actually. I mean, It was beautiful. It was a beautiful free kick. To do a free kick like that Gliding at that late it in, stage, didn't yeah, it was like... Only Gaza would have done that because most people would, oh, I'll just fucking like whip it into the Hurl mixer in. and hope yeah. for the best. But he dinked it really, he didn't did. he? And I don't think I think I'd struggle to think of many goals in my whole football supporting life that had elicited such a feeling of um, euphoria because yeah. it was the mo- it was the way in which it happened, really, wasn't it? It was it was all about it being that last minute plus such a spectacular yeah. finish and. I, I was watching it with my brothers and my dad, and my dad's one of those twats who kind of pretends that he's completely non-partisan at football because he thinks he's too clever <laughs> to be... To side with anyone. Yeah, he thinks that's idiotic. <laughs> that's for morons, right? But it's all bollocks because he's, he's got a Spurs like a, fan. a keen analytical eye from, yeah. from above the and proceedings. He, he thinks he's sitting there like, you know, with his, like, like he was watching a play. Yeah. Just sort of objectively drinking it in, yeah. right? Uh, but it's bollocks, because if you watch him when Spurs are on, he gets all excited and then tries to hide it. He's like, I have no affiliation to any club. That would be an absurd thing to do, right? And he was fucking slagging off England all the way through the game. It was a nightmare. He was like a troll, because he does things like when me and my brothers are saying we, as 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 in England, like, oh, we, we need to flood the midfield more or we need to get on the ball more. He goes, he's, he's like this the whole time. Who are we? <laughs> we? What do you mean by we? Mm. You have nothing to do with those players. They know nothing of your existence. Does he mean? Does he mean the the, the England team, or is he talking in a wider philosophical sense? Who are we as people? Well, fuck knows with him, but I mean, it could be either. But he's going on just being a fucking wanker throughout the game, saying England is shit, and he's doing all this. I hope England get knocked out. They don't deserve to be in the World Cup. They're the worst team in the World Cup. Da, 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 da. And then it was great because when the goal went in, we all leapt up and went, you know, absolutely apeshit. And one of us had like a massive Union Jack that we'd unfurled. Interestingly, England fans carried Union Jacks in those Mm. days. And we unfurled it and went mad and everyone was jumping on top of each other. And I looked up and one of the people jumping, like, you know, with his hands on my shoulders, was my old man. Pardalini. And I, th- I think it's the only time I've seen him properly celebrate a goal in that manner. The mask he was, slipped. He was, yeah, he was giving it the proper, fucking get in, Platty! And I was like, oh, not so Melvin Bragg anymore, are you, you cunt? <laughs> the other thing that was quite memorable about that that match, other than the uh, the last-minute-of-extra-time extra time winner, was that the, the previous 190 minutes had also been dog shit yeah. in keeping with the rest of the tournament. Again, it was an awful match to watch. Yeah, really bad. Not quite as bad as the Ireland game in the group, but not far off. No. It was really, really bad. And anyone who, who looks back at Italia 90 and sees England's campaign as being some kind of glorious trek towards, you know, almost success, but, but you know, last-minute failure is, is wrong because it was fucking awful, most of it. It only kicked in during the Cameroon game. It's funny. It is funny how we remember 
you know, you remember tournaments on the basis of just a couple of moments. I mean, you know, even Euro 96, people remember in similar terms. But, you know, we kind of had a board draw against Switzerland. We we scraped a win against Scotland after they had missed a penalty. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we would... And, th- and, then, and then we scraped through on penalties against Spain. But in your mind, it was non-stop sort of exciting thrill-ride football <laughs> yeah. where we demolished everyone in our path. I mean, you know, when we got on to Cameroon, although Cameroon were the team in the tournament and everyone was getting behind them, at the end of the day, it was Cameroon. And we made yeah. fucking hard work of that game, didn't we? We did. Cameroon had, had pretty much rode their luck up to that point. Um, they hadn't played anyone particularly great, but then, you know, we only managed to beat them 3-2, thanks to a couple of penalties from Gary Lineker. And I don't think England had had a penalty in the previous six years or four yeah. years or something like that. And then they got two because and, of... And Platt scored the other one, didn't he? I think, in that game, uh, is that right? Platt scored the... the yeah, the first goal, and then yeah. Lineker got two penalties. And that went to extra time again. And... Yeah. We nearly went out to them, and I think they played better than England as well. Yeah. But, you know, got to hand it to Lineker, stepping up under all that pressure. Yeah. Slotted them both. Absolutely. And then, of course, came the um, the infamous semi-final where we, we drew with what was still West Germany at the time. Yeah. The wall was still up. Um, obviously, Gaza's tears. Do, do we need to... Dwell on that any further? Is there anything no, extra I mean, to say that hasn't Lineker already been said about have them? a word with him. That was probably the best bit of that, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, they were, I mean, England played extremely well in that game. They probably did. Probably better than Germany. And it was a very good Germany team who, of course, went on to win it. Yeah. They were They were the best team. They were a team in a tournament at Cameroon, but they Germany were the best team in the tournament. I think Matthias, Klinsmann, Bremer, they had a great side. Matthias was, Matthias was in his pomp. Yeah, I would it's say. not often you use that word. But there you go, I've dropped it, it there. It, it is definitely and, worth using. And, but I thought that, you know, Gaza, Gaza outplayed Mateus on the night and, we and you know, it was, it was sort of frustrating because it was like, as often happens, we came up against a big team and suddenly it kind of knocked us into fifth gear, a gear that we couldn't find against the lesser sides. But then again... You know, we did that when we had to do it, and it almost paid off. But mm. then it came to penalties, and Peter Shilton's penalty saving technique sort of, you know, well, Shilton, didn't help us. There was a funny, I'm trying to be kind here. What that, I'm trying it, to say is that he was fucking I, shit. I mean, he was fucking old as well. He I was mean, 40, he wasn't he, been, then? Yeah, he was too old, and he was a bit past it, but there was this sort of um, view in the English press where they would just, you know blithely referred to him as the best goalkeeper in the world because in those days it was just like regarded as whoever the English goalkeeper was was the best that goalkeeper was the in the world that was the benchmark and From I think Gordon he, pro- Banks onwards. He, he might have been the best goalkeeper in the world you know in previous years but I think by 1990 he wasn't and there was no one really pushing him for it because you know nice but sort of anonymous Chris Woods was on the bench and yeah. you know no one could get excited about him but Shilton had Shilton was at fault also. I mean, years later, I met Paul Parker, who is a was a wonderful defender, but he was a tremendously angry man. Really? So angry. I mean, unbelievably he was, angry. He quite short as well. Do you think it's short man syndrome? Maybe that. I don't know. But he was still livid I'm gonna about, the, about Shilton and the role that Shilton played in that Germany goal. Because the Germany goal was a freak goal. Oh, of course, because it flipped. It was them, a free didn't it? kick, and and <clears throat> Parker ran out of the wall to charge it down, uh, which was very brave of him, and he did it well. But it spun up off of his boot, 
and Shilton was, off, went, his line, and Shilton was off his line. And so people said, oh, it was an own goal by Parker. And Parker was furious about it because he was like, but Shilton was off his line. But a, a keeper who wasn't as old and decrepit as him would have still managed to backpedal and clear the ball. I mean, you see the goal, sort of goalkeepers now. Yeah. They're so athletic. I mean, I think back then it was goalkeepers. It was all about being huge. They sort of thought, all oh, you have to be huge so you fill the goal. Yeah. Whereas now they're all so athletic, aren't they? They would have easily got back and sort of tipped that over or even caught it. Yeah. And he was livid. He was re- he reenacted Shilton's like terrible kind of creaky attempt to, to save it <laughs> over and over again to me. It became awkward, if I'm I've, honest. I've Googled Paul Parker's short man syndrome and there's nothing there. So I don't right, think that's, okay. that's, that's well, a blind been, avenue. That he hasn't been diagnosed there. by the internet. It, but. He d- not yet. But um, mm. no doubt Twitter will have this here once this podcast goes out. Uh, I'll put Paul Parker's Shilton Rage. See if that brings up anything. It's just brought up a YouTube clip entitled Paul Parker's Arse. Oh, yeah, it came um, off his arse. That was and, it. And, and the goal. No, no mention of Rage or Shilton. But uh, there we go. So, yeah, I read recently that Peter Shilton decided that his penalty saving technique, he'd, he'd cobbled this together, I think, with Gary Lineker because they were sharing the room. Mm. And it was to only dive once he saw which way the penalty was going. Not to commit to one side and then just dive as the kick was taken. His plan was to wait, see which way the kick was going, what and then try and save idiot. it. What a fucking idiot. Best goalkeeper again, in the world, apparently. Again, if you are, that is possible if you are like David De Gea, yeah. and you're like a cat. Hmm. ready to. Your instincts are like that of a fighter pilot. You're like the cat from the theme tune from Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Live. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lithe cat who provided those vocals in Sorry. But Shilton, you know, not many keepers can do that. You have to pick a side. Yeah. You have to pick a side. And that's why we're England, you know, tumbled out of the World Cup mm. in the semi-finals. Um, that's Paul Rold, who, who missed? Oh, yeah, Chris Waddle. And, and Stuart uh, Pearce. And Stuart Pearce. And, and, of course, um, it was Gaza was supposed to take that fifth penalty, not Waddle. But, right. It but was in no Gaza, condition to do that. Yeah, it was inconsolable. <laughs> so they had to let Waddle do it. Having said that, although Waddle wasn't a regular penalty taker, it's a, you know you would have thought to yourself, well, Chris Waddle is yeah. a supremely <laughs> talented yeah. footballer, and all he's—I mean, Chris Waddle's the sort of bloke who could curl goals into the top corner from forty yards. Well, exactly, out. and Pierce as well. You and and Pierce, of course, was a fantastic in. penalty taker. So, so Waddle, <laughs> you would have thought it's not that hard, mate. Just knock it in from how many yards is it for a penalty? I've forgotten. It's 12 yards. 12 yards, of course it is. And then who managed to score a penalty for Ireland in a penalty shit though? David O'Friggin Leary. Fuck me, he managed I remember to that. Put that was in. against Romania, wasn't that it? That was against Romania. I remember watching that. They went through uh, after a nil-nil draw. So O'Leary scored the winning penalty after um, Packy Bonner had, had, had saved one of them. So O'Leary could put one in from 12 yards, but then Chris Waddle and Stuart Pearce couldn't. So mm. what's that all about? Mm. Mm. This is it! The three teams from the home nations, if you want to include Ireland in that, I'm going to. Um, they all had singles out. Yeah. So let's hear a little bit of each of them.
That's the island one. That's put them under pressure. It's called put them under pressure. Yeah, I mean they've chosen to take, you know, sound bites from Jack Charlton, their uh, talisman manager, <laughs> and you know, he, he, God knows, he said some interesting things. But we'll in, they've, cho- they, they've chosen some really do, boring. Do our best. Yeah, we'll do our best. <laughs> what the hell? It's not the bloody Cubs, mate. I mean, you you want to hear him saying we're Ireland? We're going to go over there. We are Celtic dragons. We are going to slay anyone who comes in our way, you know. And he's just said, we'll, we'll do our best. We'll, we'll work hard. Yeah. And, you know, we'll what, more, each other. what more can you do? I mean, it had that nice sort of fiddly-diddly Irishness about it. But, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's better than the Scotland one, though. That Scotland one in the middle there was dog shit. Yeah, that was awful. Very I fitting. mean, there was no, there was absolutely no hope. There's nothing else to say about that once, one. Once, once in, England did the best World Cup song that they've ever done or anyone's ever done. Yeah. And I've recently pale, seen pale people saying that Three Lions is better than World in Motion. I find that really irritating. I think these people should be imprisoned. It's just so fa- what, what a stupid thing to say. I mean, Three Lions was a completely different proposition. It, yeah, it was a it was a daft song that people got behind and enjoyed chanting. Fine, but n- n- this was New Order. They made a song that actually, even if it wasn't a football song, if you took away the rap bit, yeah, it was. It's, you know, it stood up as a decent track. It did. The lyrics by Keith Allen inexplicably yeah that's weird um so that's the songs um another piece of culture attached in italian 90 which i want to recommend is a book by pete davies called all played out oh classic it is it's one of the best football books ever um and it it um spun off the film one night in turin which came out a couple of years ago as well which isn't so good for me i found that disappointing I, the voiceover was really irritating. The I arranged, narration. I arranged that uh, a, a screening, a home screening, just me and my best mates. We were so what, you excited. Bought the DVD. We bought the DVD. <laughs> but you know, like it was a proper like we had a date in the diary. It was coming yeah. around. We were getting some snacks. Yeah. And we were fucking watching one night in Jerome. We were so tremendously excited to see it. <laughs> but yeah, it really, it was disappointing. Yeah, I'm pleased we agree about that. Um, so we've covered Ireland's tournament, really. You know, they drew with England. They got through the group with three draws. And then they drew again with Romania. David O'Leary scored that winning penalty, but then they, they lost 1-0 to Italy. But will they get their revenge in 1994? Mm. Ooh, we will see in a later edition of this podcast. Scotland's um, World Cup was in tune with the, the tuneless song that they brought out. They lost 1-0 to Costa Rica, yeah, which was, you know, if you're not Scottish, was hilarious. Uh, they somehow beat Sweden 2-1. Yeah. And then they lost 1-0 to Brazil. And they went home early. Not yeah. much more to say about that, really. Yeah, I'd forgotten they were in it, if I'm honest. I literally had forgotten they were in it. Okay. This is it! Um, A few more things we want to look at. Uh, player of the tournament, Toto Scalacci, really, wasn't it? Scalacci and Miller. Uh, yeah, Scalacci was. I always remember thinking he was. He was like their Steve Bull. 
he was like a player who'd sort of emerged from nowhere yeah. quite late in his career. Yep. And uh, and and had suddenly burst into the into the team. I think he'd barely played for Italy before he, he the World played Cup started. Once for Italy before yeah. the World Cup, but he'd had a really good season for UV. He'd scored 15 goals for UV that season. Yeah. And he just had that bit of luck that you need. He got into the team. I think he came off the bench, didn't he, and started scoring yep. from off the bench. Um, I saw an interesting quote from him recently um, in 2010, and he, he, he'd been interviewed about it, and he said, 20 years have gone by now, but it seems so recent still. Whenever there's a World Cup, I always think back to 1990. What a fucking bounty, aren't you, mate? <laughs> You're scored, not going to think back to like scored a bunch the of goals 1978. In well, yeah, World exactly. Cup. Whenever the World Cup's mentioned, I always think of Bobby Moore being accused of stealing a bracelet in <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> but the 1990 World Cup, you say? No, my no. memories of that one are vague. Very hazy. <laughs> he also said that when Italy went out, I spent two hours smoking and crying. Lovely which stuff. Which is quite an evocative image, isn't it? Very evocative. Very Italian. Chin too. smoking and smoking. bawling his eyes out. <laughs> the, the, the cigarette. <laughs> Trembling between his <laughs> yeah. two fingers, getting saturated by his tears. Sounds a bit like a man in a bedsit who's yeah. just been listening to Sorry for 24 hours in an attempt to <laughs> win back his wife. Toto Scalacci said, after we lost in the, in the semi-final to Argentina, I went back to my bedsit in Rome and just listened to the theme tune to the British sitcom Sorry <laughs> on a loop. And, it, and you know what? It turned out that it was Toto Scalacci was the man who created that 24-hour loop. Whoa, just He for was that. the one who did it, yeah. Just for that occasion. Well, we might play, you might play a bit in I'm here. I'm definitely yeah. going to drop it in at this point, yeah. Notable things from Italian ninety: Frank Reichard and his his spit oh, into the hair of and Rudy his Magic gob. Yeah, do we approve of that or do we not approve of that? Gobbing. Hmm. No, it was horrible. But Rudy Fuller was the man he gobbed at. And... I'm going to mitigate it. Yeah, I'm going to say two things. One, it was Rudy Voller. If you're going to gob at anybody in world gob football in. in 1990, it's yeah. going to be Rudy Voller. Secondly, it wasn't in the face. It was in Voller's, the back of Voller's head, and he had a huge perm. Big, big curly which perm. Which was almost designed to absorb spittle. He had, a, he, had a, he had a hairstyle like a sort of 1980s page three girl, didn't <laughs> yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And a tash. He, he was ultimate 80s German, wasn't he? Yeah. With the little blonde tash and the silly hair. Speedo shorts on a moped on his way to, to create a porn film somewhere in a <laughs> warehouse. Do we think... That he had been racist to Frank Reichard? Was that Rudy the allegation? Voller, I think it might have been. I wouldn't like to say well, we better I check this out. far enough. We better check this out because if not, you're going to have to cut this out. We've had enough is trouble Is he quite litigious, Voller, is he? Yeah, well, you can't go around saying a man like that because he, re- he rehabilitated his image in the end, didn't he? I mean, by the time he became Germany Voller? manager, people sort of thought he was all right. He was one of those cerebral Germans. Don't forget, when, they were, Bright, when they were West Germany... We really hated the Germans, you know, because we associated them with the silly bad Two world hair. World Wars and one World Cup. Bad hair, 
um, and we sort of thought they were mean and nasty. And then they became Germany, and their team and their managers started looking all metrosexual. Yeah. And, you know, there's the Jurgen Klinsmann effect where he came over and was all urbane and sophisticated when he played for Spurs and nice. And now, I, I don't know about you, Andy, but I've, you know, I regard the Germans as a lovely people. So I'm asking you to now cast your mind back to when it wasn't such a modern, forward-thinking, metrosexual, liberal-minded yeah. thrust in uh, uh, society. And they were all just, uh, you know, terrible people with mullets and shell suits who were racists. Right. I'm looking on two internet forums here. One person says, um, yes, it was to do with racism. And another one has said somewhere else, no, it had nothing to do with racism. So There was the a famous book about this, wasn't there, when in that image was on the cover? Was there? I think it was called Football Against the Enemy. An entire book? Well, I think that it was about racism in football. And mm. it uh, happened to have that on the cover. It's by the journalist and football writer Is it Simon, Simon Cooper. Cooper? <laughs> you guessed, didn't you? Yeah, that sounds like a Simon Cooper type he of thing. He writes books like that. Football hipster. He writes books for people who are really into football. And I, you know, I'm not that into football because um, it's a bit weird. There's it's a line, isn't there, beyond which it gets creepy. Yeah. You know, it's all right just being into football like we are now. Yeah. But you know when you're, like, really interested in things like... Systems. Systems. When you, when you use the word systems, that that's when you've crossed a line. And that also, you know, you're, you're more interested in a team that play in the Peruvian yeah. division. Than, and you find the Premier League kind of crass and because it's the, like Disneyland. Because the, the, the manager of that Peruvian team has got a system that no one else has tried. Yeah. And he's kind of making it work. It's a bit like the St Mirren manager that Sunderland's just... Acquired. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a whiff of hipsterness about that. So it, it could end well, it could end terribly. It'll probably we'll end badly. That's about to Sunderland. Yeah. Um, what else is there to talk about? Argentina managed to make it through at the final, but only scored five goals they, on the way. Yeah, they got to the final despite being shit. They were shit. Uh, Maradona, again, kind of was, was the talisman, but even he wasn't very good. Uh, the best thing about their run was that they beat Brazil 1 0 in the second round. And they were then later accused of drugging the Brazilian players. Um, <laughs> Branco claimed that he was handed a bottle of Gatorade during the match from an, from the Argentine bench, and it was full of tranquilizers. He said <laughs> it might have actually been rattling as he took hold that of it, is, filled with tranquilizers. That is a if if it's true that that was what the Argentinians are trying to do. <laughs> that is like. That that is the standard I would expect fucking Dennis the Menace or Roger the Dodger <laughs> to employ in a copy of the Beano, that kind of thing. It's like at least fucking do it with a subtlety, at least pay off the chef at their hotel. <laughs> but just trying to hand them Gatorade full of tranquilizers during the match. I mean how stupid would they have to be to accept a drink from the opposition's bench anyway? Here, take these, mate. <laughs> so, would you like some tranquilizer juice? <laughs> I mean Gatorade. <laughs> Would you like this Gatorade? What flavour is it? Tranquilizer. Pardon? Oh, I mean fruits of the forest. Yes. I thought you said tranquilizer. No, I said fruits of the forest. Thank you, opposition coach. I'd love some of that. <laughs> mm, it's so tasty. Oh, I feel absolutely shattered all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. The final West Germany won, Argentina nil. Again, in keeping with the rest of the tournament, it was dog shit. Really shit. Um,. Maradona cried at the end, so that was you know some consolation for he England. Cried fans from in, I spent the whole night crying, <laughs> crying and, and, and snorting cocaine. 
which let me tell you is no easy combination. Drink your tranquilizer juice and listening to the Airwolf theme for 24 hours. Um, and that's about it. That's Italian 90 and had its golden moments, but for the best part, it was pretty awful. But, Andy, yeah. like me, are your memories of it magical nonetheless? No, they're not, to be honest, because at the time I was aware that it wasn't good. I was a bit older than you. I was 17, almost 18. And at that age, let me tell you, you I, know, I know very then. much, I knew very much where the action was and where the thrills were to be had in life. Mm. And I didn't find many in Italia 90. But do you not, you know, do the things that we've discussed, like Gazza's Tears, Platt's Goal, and most of all, and I mean this sincerely, most of all, Nessam Dorma, that theme tune, did those things, do those things not kind of cloud, not cloud, but don't they, you know, define your memories at the time a bit? They do a little bit, but I could see it for what it was. It was it was mostly awful, but with a few gems hidden away. So, you know, yeah. that, that's all right. You don't try and persuade me otherwise. I wouldn't be swearing. No, I'm just interested. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just trying to... It sounds to... like you are. No, because I think a lot of people of our generation, you are a couple of years older than me, but our generation... Do in my mind, we all have fond memories of Italia ninety. It's even got a ring to it, Italia ninety. It sounds beautiful, doesn't it? It sounds it's, better it... than USA ninety four. Like, like, but when we get onto USA ninety four, you'll probably have your stats to prove that it was a superior tournament. But USA ninety four doesn't trip off the tongue. No, Italia ninety. I mean, there's no better name for a World Cup ever than that, is there? No, exactly. I mean, Japan, South Korea, 2002, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> and like you said, aesthetically, it had everything. It was in Italy, it was yeah. in these beautiful stadiums. Even the um, even the graphics that the Italian TV company yeah. pioneered yeah. With, with, you know, with the scoreline and everything, which was then used on uh, Football Italia yeah. on Channel 4 for years to come. It was all set up for it to be a classic tournament. And it just didn't just didn't cut the mustard, unfortunately. A real shame. Yeah, and we'll end with ITV's theme tune oh, from that tournament. This must be a really painful memory. No one remembers second place. That's no, a they phrase. Certainly do not. That is sometimes true and sometimes not. But if ever it was applicable uh, to any situation, it was to this. No one will remember the ITV's theme tune from 1990 because it was crushed by Ness and Dorma. But nevertheless, let's give it it's, uh, a, a little nod. And we'll we'll just uh, quote our producer, Mark Machado, who, who heard it earlier and said it sounds like the hold music you'd have when you ring the Vatican. <laughs> Take it away.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.